This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham. It is a Thursday and we are streaming live on the ESPN app. Of course, the number for the show is 844-SAY-ACCN. I'm Mark Packer in Charlotte, North Carolina. Our partner is Wes Durham, and he is down in Cartersville, Georgia, home of the red-hot Atlanta Braves who refuse to lose, and it's making me sick. But nevertheless, <laughs> folks, it's going to be another blistering day in the southeast or wherever you may be. It is summertime, and be careful out there because I'm telling you, it is smoking. I mean smoking. What's going on with you down there, Mr. Durham? Yep. Uh, they're turning up humidity again today. Apparently, the uh, temperature now is also followed up by humidity. So, uh, stay hydrated, kids. You know what they say. Stay uh, indoors. Busy show. Yeah, that's fair of that. Um, busy show because at 8 a.m., we get the latest on draft night with the ACC. Tonight's the NBA draft, 8 o'clock on ESPN, Family of Networks, uh, platforms, all those things, uh, ESPN.com. Seth Greenberg, fresh off his appearance yesterday at the Travelers Championship Pro-Am Pack, where he paired with Kevin Kisner, wow. will join us. How about yes, that? that? That is correct. Didn't yeah. know that. So, 8 o'clock, Seth Greenberg will be here. 9.30 is it true, Eastern time. Wes, waking up. Wes, is ahead. it true mm-hmm. that Brooks Kepka actually withdrew from that tournament because Greenberg was in the Pro-Am? That, that was the rumor on the street. It had nothing to do with Kepka being paid eight figures uh, from the Saudis, but it had everything to do with the fact that Kepka left town because I, Greenberg was in the pro am. That's what I, that's the word I heard on the street. Is that true okay. or not? Well, you know that I, true or false? Will, I don't. I don't know that that is true. I don't know that. We will ask Greenberg at uh, at eight o'clock. How's that? All right, his forty ninth appearance on the show. By the way. Seth Greenberg, one away Ooh. from a half a hundred on Packer and Durham. One away. Wow, how about that? Is that the most? No. That is not the most. Maybe a little trivia next week. Who has them? Well, I, I can find that okay. in a matter of 20 minutes if you give me the time, but off the top of my head, I don't know. No, no, know, no. We, I do we know other things here. That Greenberg's one away from half a hundred. All right. Um, Greenberg will be here at 8 o'clock. Uh, waking up early on the West Coast for us this morning is Kevin Parada, the incredible catcher at Georgia Tech, who is a finalist for the Golden Spikes Award. He's been with us before, but this time he wakes up uh, out at his home in Pasadena, California. He will join us at 930 this morning. We look forward to talking to Kevin Parada of, uh, of Georgia Tech. Um, the draft is tonight. Um, Orlando has the number one pick. It was thought that uh, Jabari Smith of Auburn uh, would be the consensus number one pick. However, Pack, if you start reading tea leaves and sources, colon, um, of the last 24 to 36 hours, it appears that Paolo Bancaro of Duke is also in the mix to be the number one overall pick. Um, It is expected a half dozen ACC players will be taken in the first round tonight. Um, There are a couple of others that are on the fringe, but uh, of round one, and we'll talk about that. Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN has pro- projected the six guys 
that will go. And if so, if his projections are correct in his latest mock draft, it would tie the SEC, who would also have six. Um, and by the way, a good bounce back for the ACC, who uh, had just seven first-round picks in the last two years combined. It's been a bit of a, a gap, if you will, given some of the ACC landscape in the draft. But Bancaro is expected to become the first uh, ACC player off the board sometime later tonight. Uh, again, congratulations to all the gentlemen that will be selected in the draft. Wish them best in, in their careers, making a ton of money, chasing the dream that they've always wanted uh, since they were little kids. Mm-hmm. It's all cool from that perspective. I have no earthly idea who will be the first pick. Uh, but I suspect, Wes, throughout the course of the evening while we talk wingspans and everything else, uh, that the Duke Blue Devils will be prominently displayed uh, with Adam Silver up on the stage. That, that's mm-hmm. what I'm sensing is going to happen. Well, here is Jonathan Gavoni's mock draft as of this morning. Uh, he has Bancaro third to Houston. A.J. Griffin would be next to Oklahoma City. Mark Williams to the hometown Charlotte Hornets pack. How about that? for you. Somebody let Michael Jordan know uh, that uh, Mark Williams could be uh, yeah. wearing the teal next year. That'd be nice. Go yeah. for that. Uh, Blake Wesley, Blake Wesley of Notre Dame expected to join a very young, talented San Antonio team. Wendell Moore Jr. of Duke to the 76ers. Okay, now this is where it's going to get a little tricky. Remember when I told you it's kind of six-ish? Well, Jake LaRavia projected by Jonathan Gavoni at 29 and Trevor Keels projected at 32. Well, 29 is in the first round and 32 isn't. And you say, well, you know, back into the first, early in the second. Well, let me just tell you, when you cross that line from one to two, Things change, as they used to say in Varsity Blues. Things change, Mox. Uh, not only does the financials change by about $11 million, Ooh. the uh, the status and the guarantees and all those things change too. So uh, the difference between 29 and 32 is, is fairly significant. But Jake LaRavia of Wake Forest, um, according to some of the reading I was doing yesterday, has done a terrific job in the individual workouts with some of these teams. Likewise, so is Trevor Keels. As you remember, Pac, that was kind of a 50-50 deal as to whether he was going to stay in or go back to school at Duke. Elected to stay in the draft. So Keels is right there on that one-two line into the first, front end of the second. Uh, Darion Sebron of NC State is expected to be taken in the second round, but not until we get a little more deeper into the proceedings uh, tonight later on. So there you go. That's at least uh, early on what the – what the initial projections look like. Um, if all this happens in the first round and Trevor Keels is selected in the first round, Duke could have uh, five guys taken in the first round tonight. Uh, if they do, um, it will be the first time since 2015 or 2010 that five guys from the same school have been selected in the first round. Kentucky did it. In, uh, in 2010, when five guys were taken behind John Wall, who was the number one pick that year. Yeah, so what does that mean? I mean, you know, it, you know, and the reason I ask you that question, Wes, and I know this is the mm. ACC network, but I, I'm, I'm going to jump the lines right. here a second. Uh, and I hope it all happens. Listen, I'm rooting for everybody. I, I, got, I have no non-rooting interest here. You, you hope all these guys have great mm. careers and make a ton of money, like I said. Right. Um, you know, John Calipari and Mike Krzyzewski have really been the two guys 
that have maximized the one and done. They're not the only, but those two guys have right. taken it to another level, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Coach K, of course, is now hanging out with his dog, Coach, which is, by the way, he's growing like a weed. And he's enjoying retirement and all that stuff, and he's deserved it and all that cool stuff. Coach Cal's over there still at Kentucky. And, you know, Kentucky, uh, despite all the McDonald's All-Americans and all that stuff, all the one-and-dones, Kentucky has not won an NCAA tournament game since 2019. Kentucky has not won an NCAA championship since 2012. Uh, matter of fact, that's the last time the Southeastern Conference has won an NCAA tournament. So they're going on 10 years now getting ready to go on to the 11th year without anybody in their league, much less Kentucky, cutting down the nets. Uh, just because you have a handful of the five-star, all-world, can't-miss, one-and-dones doesn't guarantee you squat. It really doesn't. And if Duke yep. has four yep. or five guys go tonight in the first round – that's awesome. That's cool. But you know what? I still believe that folks who care about the college game care about the college game. Now, Calipari loves to say my job is to get these guys prepared for the next level in the NBA. And, and to a degree, that is true. But when they're only there for six months, it's kind of a like, – to me, it's kind of a hollow argument. If I was a fan of a school, whether it be Duke, Kentucky, or anybody else, the ultimate goal is I want to walk into my arena – look up on the sky and see banners. I don't need to see a banner that says, hey, we've generated a billion dollars in salaries for NBA players. Well, that's cool from an individual standpoint, but as a fan, I want my team to win it. And if it turns out that Duke has four or five guys in the first round, that's great. But you know what? Duke fans wanted to see that banner, another one, hanging at a Cameron Indoor Stadium. So tonight, the way I look at it, it's all about the individual. You root for whoever you want. If you're not interested, you're not going to watch, so you don't worry about it. But if you are, hey, good for all these guys. But at the end of the day, the college game, to me, is still about team and winning. And if you happen to have one-and-done dudes, fine, there's a way to do that. And if you want to go ahead and say, listen, we're going to go ahead and go old, and not even worry about McDonald's All-Americans. We're going to develop our guys. That's fine. There's a bunch of different ways to have success. But, again, take it for whatever it's worth tonight as far as the draft and who goes where and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – it, it's a fascinating study in, in kind of the dynamics, isn't it, uh, the way this gets built. Like, for instance, you see a lot of younger guys – obviously opt for the draft. Um, you get some guys don't even attend college, as we've talked about before. They go with one of the you know, G League Ignite options, that kind of deal. Um, you know, tonight you watch guys who had moments in the ACC just a year ago, Bancaro and A.J. Griffin. Mark Williams was a two-year player who uh, improved over his two seasons in Durham. Wendell Moore is a veteran piece, a guy who had been there essentially four years. Um in the case of Blake Wesley, um, we thought he might be a good player pack. We weren't sure, and he exploded on the scene here. Um, and in the in the case of Jake Laravia, who's on this line between one and two, you find a kid who started out at Indiana State who people thought were a pretty good player in the Valley. Well, he ended up being a terrific player in the ACC, the transfer portal uh, rewarded him accordingly, and he had a heck of a go at it. 
Uh, let me ask you something. You, you know, we rattled off. You just mm-hmm. rattled off, read all the names. You know what name you don't see on that list? And to me, I think it's the one of the most interesting storylines from an ACC perspective for next year's NBA. Now, there's the list, right? Bancaro, Griffin, Williams, Wesley, mm-hmm. Moore, LaRavia, Keels, Sebron. Uh, you know who's missing on that right. list, Wes? How about the ACC Player of the Year? Where is Alondis Williams? Right. Where does he go? Right. Does he go? I mean, I, you know, every time mm-hmm. I saw Alondis play last year, and he was tremendous, obviously the Player of the Year. He looked like he had an right. NBA game. Great passer, can score. And granted, his last NCAA tournament game was kind of a dud. But, man, he had an awesome year. But I don't see his name anywhere on there. Does that surprise you? No. No. I, well, you know what, Pac? It's funny you bring that up because there are a lot of people who a year ago were talking about Bancaro had to be the player of the year. Baycott had to be the player of the year. Alondis Williams ended up being the player of the year. Um Alondis Williams does have a 94-foot game. He can see the floor. He finds guys, as you mentioned, in transition. I think he's a terrific rebounder for his size. But like the NFL, when it comes time for the NFL draft, and I tell people this, I'm blessed to see Saturdays and Sundays, right, in the fall. You know that. I'm horrible at projecting levels here. Well, I see a guy in the college game, and I think he's going to be a really good pro, and people are going, no, he's not going to make it. Well, why is that? You know, like, I find it hard to believe that Armando Baycott's game doesn't translate to the NBA. But it doesn't. That's why he's coming back. That and the fact that NIL's a factor. We talked about that. But Alondis Williams, I've been told, it just doesn't quite fit with what NBA teams are looking for in terms of a big physical guard. Gee, I don't know. I mean, I thought he was plenty talented. Maybe all he needs is a chance. And if so, he wouldn't be the first one to emerge from just the tryouts. Um, you know, sometimes you can't judge the ticker, right? The guy who's got the heart, who's got the drive and got the will can make things happen. But right now, a lot of this is done on a lot of this is done on potential. Now, most of these guys probably be pretty good players, but you got to find the spectacular guy. I mean, Alondis Williams is a talented guy. I'm I'm a little surprised he's not in the second round projections that Jonathan Gavoni has. Um, I haven't seen him in any projections, though. Uh, I happen to think he might be a, a second-round guy, but you know that's for other. That, that's why those guys do that for a living, as they say. Well, I'm not an NBA GM. I don't pretend to play one and don't want to be one. But right. just just as a basketball fan, when you rattle off that list of ACC players, it's like a neon sign to me. It's like, hey, where's the ACC Player of the Year on that list? So well, who knows? You never know how all this stuff's going to play out. But again, congratulations to all of them that are selected and chasing their dreams. It's been a joy to watch them play in college. And if you're an NBA fanatic, mm-hmm. get it all over you, as I like to say. So there it is. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating uh, exercise, this night is, from what you see in college to what they think that player will be in the NBA. Um, and again, first round guys, that's guaranteed. Second round guys, it's a little trickier proposition, but nonetheless, good luck to all those young fellows tonight. Uh, all right, busy show coming up. And when we come back, Pac mentioned this yesterday, the Atlantic Coast Conference has complete the athletic season with seven national titles. Uh, when we come back, ACC teams that overachieved in their respective postseasons, and we look at the postseason as a whole all the way through the athletic calendar. We'll do that next on Packer Enduro. 
This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Thursday. Your lucky number is 653. 653. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Seth Greenberg comes up at the top of the hour making his 49th appearance after tapping in for par on the 18th hole yesterday. <laughs> uh, in case you missed Anson Dorrance from yesterday's program, uh, we'll replay that for you about 7.30 this morning. And then the voice of victory is here at 7.45 for true or false uh, in this opening hey, hour. I hope, I hope you stay around program. to watch. I hope you stay around to watch the end of that interview since you disappeared on me yesterday. What'd you do? Did Clifford knock out the court again? What happened there? No. You knocked out the court. We were walking the... Uh, we were walking the technological high wire yesterday again, Mr. Packer. Cartersville, Georgia. What a mess. No, no. No, no. What a mess. No, no. Cartersville, Georgia. What a headache. No, not Cartersville. Nope, not Cartersville. It's like American Airlines going to Topeka. Just, the, Just not happening. Technolo- technological high wire, Mark. You know okay. that. Right. Right every day. Oh, All right. I believe. ACC. Hey, preaching the choir, brother. The ACC uh, is leading the way with national titles. Uh, We'll get to that in a moment. But in a couple, uh, they came up short. Which postseason run now? Remember, which postseason run was the most impressive considering the seedings? Uh, Boy, I tell you what now. You start looking at Notre Dame baseball. (laughs) Had to go on the road twice, go to Statesboro, Georgia, and win that sub. And then go to Knoxville and knock off Goliath Pack. If you're talking about most impressive postseason, Notre Dame's got to be on that list, don't they? Well, they are definitely on the list because they got screwed by the NCAA Baseball Committee by not hosting. Uh, that'd be the first thing. The second thing is they took care of business and said, fine, committee, we're going to go prove it. And they did. And they took it on the road and they uh, eventually dethroned what a lot of folks thought was the greatest college baseball team ever in Tennessee. Uh, now, did they come up short in Omaha? They did. I guarantee you that Link Jarrett and those guys would tell you they did not play their best baseball those last two games, and they didn't. But it does not detract yep. from what was a really tremendous run by Notre Dame baseball in the postseason, uh, getting back to Omaha for the third time. And, uh, again, who knows what happens with Link Jarrett. Time will tell with all that stuff, given the Florida State opening. Uh, but, man, what a great run it was for Notre Dame. I know they're bummed out that they're sitting at home and not playing baseball still. And uh, you tip your hat to Oklahoma because they took care of business. And Oklahoma is now in the College World Series uh, finale, if you will. They'll either have Arkansas or Ole Miss. Like, it's going to be a loser leave town match today. But, man, now Notre Dame baseball had just a phenomenal postseason. They 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 trumped yep. they trumped everything that came their way. They, they got like I said, I thought they got a total diss by the committee. Didn't matter. They just went and took care of business and played their way to Omaha. And they earned it. Good for them. Yeah, uh, Carolina men's basketball would be on this list. I think. Yep. Uh, you go to the NCAA tournament. In fact, two weeks before the end of the regular season, we were, you know, still kind of putting Carolina in perspective. weren't sure if they were getting in. If they were, where were they? Uh, strong run to close the end of the regular season. And, of course, once they got in the NCAA tournament, when they knocked off Baylor in the second round pack, the eyes were open pretty quick to what Carolina, I think, could be. Yeah, they seemingly played uphill all year. Um, I, you and I had so many conversations in January and even in mm-hmm. February about, hey, are they in? And 
Yeah, I go back to that game they beat Syracuse in overtime. Sorry, Josh, uh, in Chapel Hill. That you know, if they lost that game late, you're thinking, gosh. Not sure they're going to be in the tournament. And then once they got over that hump and they knocked off Coach K in his last home game at Cameron, and off to the races they went. Now, granted, I know Virginia Tech knocked them out in Brooklyn for the ACC tournament in the semis. Uh, But, man, North Carolina played great basketball. Not good. Great basketball. Sure did. And really with the exception of the last 20 minutes of the season, you couldn't have scripted a better case scenario for North Carolina in the postseason. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, you tip yep. your hat to Kansas because they played lights out when it mattered down 16 at the half in New Orleans. But it was an awesome run by Huber Davis. And with everybody and their brother who was seemingly coming back, four or five starters, uh, like I said earlier, uh, when you start looking at the way, way, way too early preseason college basketball polls, if North Carolina is ranked any lower than number two, Somebody doesn't know what they're talking about. And they're going to be one of the favorites for the upcoming 22-23 college hoop season. There's no question about that. Yep. Uh, I think we can also think about putting Miami somewhere in that list, too, because the Canes are going to bring back, in addition to one of the better scorers in the ACC and Isaiah Wong, they bring back a pretty impressive transfer list. But what Miami did, they came a win away from giving the ACC a third team in the Final Four. Uh, they beat Auburn in the round of 32. The Carolina got Baylor, and then Miami beat Auburn and uh, turned the kettle of the Southeastern Conference over because a lot of people were excited about what Auburn was getting ready to be in the NCAA tournament, and Miami wouldn't have any of it, Pac. Yeah, they beat the daylights out of Auburn, who at times were the number one ranked team uh, during the regular season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Miami suffered the same fate as North Carolina. How do you beat Kansas? Same thing. Had the lead at the half, and Kansas, to their credit, went on a blitzkrieg run in the second half and won the game. But, man, for Jim Laranaga and Miami to get to the Elite Eight for the first time ever, we know he's a great coach. Uh, they seemingly had a perfect combination of old, experienced guards, which is a great formula to have success in March. Uh, and I, I have high expectations for Miami for the upcoming year. Now, I, whether or not they're going to put them in the same right. conversation as North Carolina, I don't think there's anybody else in the league is going to be there. I think Virginia's going to have a bounce back. Duke will still be Duke. Miami's going to be really good. And Florida State's mm-hmm. going to be I – mean, don't sleep on Florida State and what Leonard's going to do. They won't be mediocre like they were a year ago. Um, but, man, it was a great year for Miami. They, they had a tremendous mm-hmm. postseason run. Yeah, let's pivot to women's basketball because Nia Livey, we had a terrific visit with her uh, in early May at the ACC spring meetings. And uh, you said this, I think, yesterday that that Notre Dame may be poised to make a run this year. And if they do, I think a lot of that will be buoyed by what they did this past year getting to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, you know, listen, if they're a stock, Notre Dame women's basketball, I'm buying, buying, buying. We know about Louisville. We know about NC State yep. as being standards, and Notre Dame has been there. They've gone through this transition from Muffet to Neal. Uh, but with what they've got coming back, I, I think Notre Dame women's basketball in 22-23 will be that team that we talk about a bunch when we start talking about number one seeds and teams that can win the national championship. So I, I'm really, really high on ND. I am. Yeah. Uh, Same could also be said for what Courtney Banghart and North Carolina's women's team might be doing. Uh, And I'll I'll make a note here. I think Deja Kelly has uh, emerged as one of the real faces of women's basketball. Uh, The the superstar guard for for Carolina. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching those two teams, Carolina and Notre Dame. And here is, uh, there's Deja going to the basket. I, I think she's a terrific player and a 
and a great personality for women's basketball in this country. Totally agree. And before we get to a, a women's hoop season, uh, it's on the list to mm. get a name for Courtney's boat. That is still on the to-do list. So we got to figure that out before we tip the ball off for the upcoming season. But I'm with you. I think oh, North Carolina is going to be very, very good. I, I think women's basketball in the ACC for the upcoming season uh, is going to be fantastic. I mean, I think there's going to be a handful of teams at the very top that are going to be poised to be solid top 15, top 20 programs with a couple of them national championship contenders without question. Yeah. Well, the ACC did win seven NCAA titles. Uh, Notre Dame was their last hope the other night who bowed out, of course, in the College World Series. The Big 12 and the SEC are left to determine the final national champion in the 21-22 athletic season. But the ACC is tied with the Big 12 for the most currently. Uh, and here they are. And, of course, we touched on this yesterday. It started off with women's cross country, both men's and women's soccer. Notre Dame wins co-ed fencing. Virginia wins a national title in women's swimming and diving. The Cavaliers also capture one in men's tennis. And North Carolina won women's lacrosse. Pretty good deal for old Carla Williams, huh? She's running the show up there in beautiful Charlottesville, mm-hmm. Virginia. A pair of national championships in her back pocket. And, of course, I said this yep. yesterday. I've said it a hundred times. H2O plus Wahoo equals hardware. <laughs> and they go back to back in that swimming and diving now. And with, uh, you know, Alex Walsh winning a world championship in Budapest last week. Pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. Virginia in the water, man. They're pretty good. They know what they're doing. Yep. All right, on the other side, we visited with the legendary Anson Dorrance yesterday toward the close of our show. When we come back, you will hear from Coach Dorrance. That's next, in case you missed it, on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham, that will be outstanding tonight. And if you uh, happen to see Anson yep. Dorrance on the program yesterday, uh, you'll understand what excellence is all about because that's exactly how you define the UNC women's soccer legacy. You can't win 20-some-odd yep. national championships and say, oh, yeah, we just lucked into it. No, no, no. It's yeah. going to be cool tonight. Yep, we had a chance to talk with Coach yesterday, and we started by saying, you know, when Ross Greenberg comes in and wants to do this documentary, what did you learn about your program along the way? Here's Anson Dorrance in case you missed it. Well, obviously, uh, I was extraordinarily proud that someone would want to do a documentary. uh, And then Ross did a a fantastic job. Uh, They allowed us to look at it. uh, So we have a preview before uh, we get to see it tomorrow night. uh, uh, But uh, it was so enjoyable. And what was most enjoyable, honestly, was... uh, Uh, They interviewed the kids. And so, yes, you saw a piece of the Mia Hamm interview. But, you know, some of my favorite players of all time were interviewed in this. And it's almost like, uh, you know, being alive at your own funeral. uh, And these people are saying such nice things about you. uh, And it's just uh, you're listening to your own eulogy. And for me, I mean, it's just so heartfelt. So uh, uh, I really appreciated uh, the investment that all these different groups were making, certainly the ACCN uh, and Ross coming in with his great team and and then uh, obviously interviewing our kids. And so for me, uh, uh, this is uh, very special. Anson, there, there's so many things and so much of a, of a chronology to talk about in the building of the Carolina success in women's soccer. 
I guess I remember, and I'm going to go back to my childhood here. When I was a teenager, I remember my dad telling me one time he had interviewed you when you were still coaching both men and women. And you told him during the course of the interview that it was different coaching the men's team than the women's team. You had to almost operate two different kind of boards of psychology, if you will, or motivation. So a decision point in the success of this program had to be when you exclusively coached women. When, when did you make that move and how did you determine to make that change and make that singular move, if you will? Uh, Wes, you're spot on. I mean, for me, honestly, when I was given that women's team, it was a brave new world. I went to a boys' boarding school uh, for my high school education. The closest I came to a woman in those days, I had the leading female role in the school play my senior year. So that was my relationship with women in high school. So for me, this was like, are you kidding me? You know, who is entrusting me with this team? So it was just absolutely nuts. And I, I, I made a travesty of it at first. I thought men and women were the same. Uh, the feminist literature back in the early 70s were saying the only reason men and women were different is our environments pushed us in different directions. And so I was going to correct decades of, you know, sociological error and treat my men and women the same. And gosh, it was a disaster. So for me, it was just adjusting to the fact that they're not exactly like your men's team. Um, but uh, for me, it was just an evolution in learning uh, about uh, uh, how they wanted me to lead them. And then uh, I chose the women. Uh, coaching two teams uh, was just overwhelming eventually. And I went in and shared uh, with John Swafford that, uh, John, this is killing me. And I had a great men's assistant back in the day. And I love coaching the women because they were actually coachable. I mean, a lot of the times when you're coaching elite men, they're fighting you. Uh, and the women uh, did not fight you. They were wonderfully coachable. So uh, I chose the women. Uh, and uh, I loved, uh, you know, different aspects of coaching the men and different aspects of coaching the women. Uh, but the bottom line is I decided to go uh, with uh, the women. And looking back, it was just a, an incredibly good decision. I have loved every day of this. Coach, mm -hmm. if I said to you, Title IX, uh, what, mm -hmm. what's the first thing that pops in your head? Well, it was the explosion of our sport. Uh, talk about um, just catching that wave. Uh, 72 is obviously we're celebrating 50 years of, of Title IX now, but my program was on the cusp of the beginning of that. We were the first women's varsity in the South, and obviously that gave us a huge advantage. And then what we used to do is I would just demonstrate to people uh, across the spectrum, uh, the ADs across the country, I would send them uh, my budget. Uh, to let them know that very inexpensively they could, you know, bring in a women's soccer team and start to check boxes for Title IX. And so that's exactly what happened. Uh, the SEC came in just wholesale uh, one year. Uh, obviously, their ADs got together and said, you know, we've got to start to check these boxes. Uh, so it was, uh, uh, that was the driving force behind the evolution of our game because all of a sudden more and more and more teams jumped in. And it became the fastest growing sport uh, in, uh, in collegiate uh, athletics. And so for me, uh, we all owe a huge debt to Title IX. You know, it's interesting. The, the emergence of women's sports here in, in 2022 and in 2020s, if you will, Anson, has been fascinating to watch. But it's got to be somewhat of a step back and smile moment for you because you've seen this whole thing take shape. You've seen the emergence, not just of soccer. I mean, we've watched what 
Karen's done in field hockey at Carolina and that sport nationally. What Jenny's done in lacrosse and that sport nationally. Now we see softball in the spring take shape. Women's basketball has, has been on the rise now for the better part of 20 years. Is that a step back and smile for Anson Dorrance? Well, there's no question, but also, um, thank goodness I'm here. I mean, if you look at the caliber of our leadership through the years, from the gentleman that hired me and had the vision to start a women's soccer program, I mean, Mr. Bill Kobe, I owe my huge debt. I mean, I ended up uh, going from Rainbow Soccer, a co-educational rec league in Chapel Hill. That was my coaching resume to the top of Division One. Are you kidding me? Uh, I love teasing my colleagues whenever I'm talking about, uh, you know, I didn't go, you know, from high school to junior college to, you know, Division Three, two, and then finally uh, get to a school like the University of North Carolina. I went from co-educational recreational soccer in, in Chapel Hill to the top of Division One. So it was uh, Mr. Bill Kobe. Uh, but then he's the one that said, Anson, come look at this women's club. They've petitioned for varsity status. Tell me what you think. And I'm thinking, I have no issue with this. I watched them play. I thought they were great. I had a list of coaches uh, that I was going to you know, recommend uh, to him when I was hired as the men's coach. And I was thinking, I'm going to shill for this wonderful club coach. And I would love a colleague, another a team on campus. And then all of a sudden, he said, Anson, I'll make your part-time men's position full-time if you will also coach the women. And so leaders like uh, Bill Kobe, but all the leaders we've had here, uh, just going through all of them, I mean, Swaff and uh, uh, I, you know, personally, I, I absolutely loved uh, all of our leadership. And even now, I mean, I love being in an environment where the women's teams are respected. And you're not respected unless the uh, athletic director is fully in uh, with th that culture. And we've been uh, we've had athletic directors that have been fully in uh, with the uh, women's athletic teams in this campus from the beginning, going all the way back to Mr. Bill uh, Kobe. And so we owe all of them uh, a great debt. And uh, I've and Mr. Bedore, I mean, I just absolutely love the man. I mean, I've I've got relationships with all of them. Uh, all of them. I mean, right now I love playing pickleball with my current boss. Uh, Bubba Cunningham. So the relationships they've established across the board for all of the women's coaches and teams, it's unique here at UNC, and I love being a part of it. Legendary coach. Uh, That's all there is to it, boys and No girls. question. And, and apparently we need an ACC network camera on the pickleball, don't we? That, uh, you know, he, he talked about the intensity level. Uh, so I'm not sure if you were still on board yesterday when he was going through all that stuff, but he talked about how he likes the competitive nature of his boss. That, hey, that pickleball mm -hmm. is not just get a little exercise in. He's there to win. And, I, you know, it starts at the top. I said this yesterday. I don't care if you're running a network, an athletic department, a pizza parlor, or a gas station. If your management stinks, you are bound to fail. I've been saying that for 100 years. Um, and you can tell there's a reason that competitive edge with those great coaches uh, and programs, it yep. starts at the top with, hey, here is the intent and what we want to do. We're going to graduate our kids. We're going to win championships. We're going to get good people and just surround yourself with great people and then get to work. And it's exactly what Anson Dorrance has done. He has been nothing short of phenomenal. And a nice note, by the way, to uh, give Bill Kobe the flowers he deserves in the 1980s to be at the forefront of adding women's sports on the right. level and the stage that he did. Yep. Anson's story to coaching soccer is incredible, as he mentioned, but a nod to Bill Kobe's foresight as the athletics director at North Carolina, and you could say the same about Willis Casey 
at the time at uh, at NC State. You know that pack, and also Tom Butters at Duke. Uh, Carl James prior to Tom Butters and the foresight they had in adding women's sports at the time they did in the state of North Carolina at that major level. So, and Gene Hooks at Wake Forest did the same thing. I mean, you know, they they weren't far behind either. So, uh, those guys to to do it they when they did at that level that was quite an investment by those four ACC schools in that state. Uh, stay tuned. On the other side, it's been a treat to have the voice of victory here. We're going to get to true or false, but don't forget. Coming up tonight, the uh, all-access with Pitt's women's lacrosse is at 7. Hidden Dynasty is the Ross Greenberg documentary that's been produced. Uh, You'll see that at 8 o'clock and then at 9 p.m. Pushing forward, Title IX and the ACC, a special edition of all ACC. All that presented by GEICO tonight on ACC Network and streaming live on the ESPN app. When we come back, Josh Macri. One of the founding lumberjacks of this program is here with another edition of True or False. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Thursday, 844-SAY-ACCN, the number for the program. It is time to go to Bristol, Connecticut, home of the smart people that are ones that are really running this show. We just get in front of it. We just kind of leave the parade. But the Josh Macri, the voice of victory, has another award-winning rendition of True or False. There he is. Whoa. What's happening? Got a little flow going yeah. today, too, don't we? Got yeah. the hair going. Yeah, we got Seth coming up in uh, about 10 minutes or so. You know, bald guy figured I'd let the cabbage loose today just to even out our hair quotient. <laughs> By the way, who's on the back row today? Who's on today, the back row? Today we have Isabel and Manuel. All right, there's Isabel with a very tentative wave. And, right, and who's on there over your left yeah, shoulder? Come on, got to be a better wave than that. Got to be a better wave. The Ooh, Queens. Yeah, much the better. Queen. Yeah, I well liked done. it. That Queen was wave. much better. Very nice. Much better. Hello. Hello. Who's on All the right. other side? Emmanuel for the third Emmanuel. time. Okay, Man. got it. Didn't hear you. There you go. Solid. Yeah, wave. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Nice par. No, solid nice wave. par for All Emmanuel. Right. Tap in for par. Goes the next <clears> one. <throat> All right. Little uh, true or false here before we true. get to Seth. True. Before we get to Seth Greenberg at the top of the true. hour. So we finished true. off true. our uh, two a days this week. That's true. Which is true. We finished off with Wake Forest and Pitt. That's true. 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 Both of them scored over 40 points a game last season. That is true. True or false, true. at least one ACC football team will average over 40 a game next year. True. True. Too many, too many good quarterbacks, man. This league has got right. NFL dudes under center. We're going to score points. This conference going to score, man. That's an easy true. Yeah. Yeah. There are guys trying to stop him, too, though. Yeah, I, I understand well, that. I, look, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, but I'm going to give you this. I think Wake Forest is a, is a prime candidate to average over 40, given who they return, too. Right. Um, okay. I think Miami is in, Miami's in that box. Uh, if they get it cranked up and get people stopped, like I think they will. Um I like what Lance Taylor's thinking about at Louisville, too, in, in conjunction with Scott Satterfield pack. NC State might also be there if they can, you know, 
I thought Gilio was pretty candid about their ability to run the ball with Jordan Houston and others. I could see two. We had two last year. I don't think we'll have more than two, but I bet we have three, four, average over 30 a game. Josh, easy. Noted. Uh, speaking of Pitt and Wake Forest, they, of course, mm. competed in Charlotte for the ACC football championship. True or false, True. one of them will make it back to Charlotte this season. False. Ooh. False. Mm. Hmm. I'm going to go with true. 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 I don't have to declare. I'll just say one. Yes, true. Well, you already have declared. I mean, you, you, I mean mm-hmm. if people were paying attention to the show, you said the other day you like Pitt. To win the coast, I like Pitt right now. Yes, right. I do like Pitt right now. Yes. I mean, so I mean, you, you just said I don't have to declare what well, you already have. You declared that Pitt's going to win the coast. Yeah, but that was my June pick. You and we have also said we could change Excuse our me? minds between Excuse now and Excuse me. What is what? What is Everything. the? Are we still in the month of June? I'm just curious. True or false? It's yes. June. That'd be true. Mm-hmm. All right. So oh, you say my June you say pick true. Is Pitt. I yeah. say false. I think it's going to be a combination true. of. Uh, Clemson, NC State on the one side, and I think Miami is the favorite on the other side. Take it for whatever it's worth. Right. Good call. That's your right. that's your June pick, though, Peck. Correct, and it's June. <laughs> I can't give you a July pick. Yeah. We haven't got there yet. Can't do it. Can't do it. The uh, ACC, once again, came up short in Omaha. despite true. making True. Despite making the conference's 16th consecutive Men's College World Series. True or false, true. the ACC will win a Men's College World Series before the conference fails to make the field for the next time. All right, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say true. You know why? There's a thing called the do factor. Our yep. conference is overdue to finally have some great stuff happen in Omaha. And if you're a Virginia fan, don't get mad at me. 2015 was seven years ago. All right. And thank God for it, because prior to that, it was 1955 in Wake Forest having the dog pile in Omaha. Right. The league, too many good teams, too many good players, too many good coaches. Eventually, you're just due. It's kind of like your time. So I think the ACC mm. will get back to Omaha and win it before we have a uh, summertime in June without a single ACC team to be found, my opinion. I will go true as well. A lot of that based on the do factor, but I also think the league's going to be pretty good next year. I think the league's going to have some really talented teams. There are enough young players to go around that, uh, you know, keep your fingers crossed on the portal. I think the league will be pretty good again. So I'm going to say true. All right, last one. Coach K said earlier this week that he does not plan on attending any Duke basketball games at Cameron this season. True or false, K will stay true to his word and simply stay home this year playing with Coach K9, the puppy. True. 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 I I think he understands. I think he understands exactly what his presence would mean. Um... I would also add, too, that it would be a crowd distraction. (laughs) But 
I think he will eventually come back to Cameron to see a game, but it won't be this year. And I don't blame him. And I that's a uh, out of respect to John and respect to the program he built. I think as much as anything else, he does not want John to have to have that distraction while coaching a ball game. Hundred percent agree with that. And if if the man says he's mm-hmm. not going to be there, I, hey, I'll take his word for not it. Coming. Why wouldn't you? All right, so yep. he's going to stay home. Here's the question I'll ask both of you guys. If given the opportunity, Josh or Wes, if given the opportunity, you could spend 45 minutes with Tuffy or 45 minutes with Coach, the pup, which one would you lean to? Coach. Coach. No doubt. True. Do you see those, you see those kisses? Yeah, that's a loving dog right there. Yeah. That's a fine. That, you know, hey, hey, Coach K, I know you're probably not watching. So I'll say it to you. When you had your good old buddy Blue, I said, it must be a fine hound. He said, it's not a hound, it's a dog. Right? Remember, he he kind of chastised me on that one, Wes? Coach is a fine hound. That is one fine hound right there. That is a hound. Yes, sir. Yep. Love it. I'll tell you what would be really impressive. If Kay showed up with Coach in your basement one day. Now, that would be impressive. I would love that. If Kay brought yeah. his man coach with him, that would be an all-time mm-hmm. highlight. He's got an open invitation anytime he wants. Come zip it through town. There Chester, Fuller, and coach. That would be spectacular yep. television. Awesome. Yep. Be like, it'd there be like go. the puppy bowl, man. Just We, we wouldn't even say a word. <laughs> we just just watch the dogs romp down here in the basement. Be perfect. Yeah, what if we had uh, Gigi's Hyper Piper? Hyper Piper, throw that in. Hyper on Girl. Top of, uh, the yeah. other three. Be, We'd do that. Yeah. Piper Girl be part be of it. Mess. The more the merrier, man. Yep. All for it. All right. Uh, on the other side, ladies and gentlemen, tonight the NBA draft at 8 o'clock. Our friend and analyst, and apparently pro am participant at the Travelers yesterday, Seth Greenberg. Fresh off teaming with Kevin Kisner joins us next on Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.